if I did not get a chance to greet you and speak with you today, I do apologize. I, I had surgery Friday, and so I'm a little less mobile today. Um, I'm doing okay. I took like 12 ibuprofen, so there's some on the front row. If anybody has a headache, feel free. It's, can, it can be community. Um, we are going to be in John chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 20 through 36. If you want to go ahead and open up the Bible app, uh, there should be an event there. If you want to open up paperback Bible, that should be there as well. So I want you to be aware of that. As an inventor, as an inventor, Thomas Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts, attempts at uh, creating his commercially available light bulb. Uh, a reporter asked him, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And Edison said, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was just an invention with a thousand steps. So yay for him, shows how smart he is, right? Um, Edison wasn't the first person to invite, invent the light bulb, but as I said, he was the first person to invent one that uh, could be used commercially and, and sellable for people and uh, brought light to dark places all over the world. Like Edison, uh, on a much more grand scale and much more successfully, first attempt might I add, God gave new light to the world twice. First, when he spoke it into existence in Genesis, and then secondly, we see it in the Gospels when he sent his son Jesus. In verse 12, or chapter 12 of John, verses 20 through 36, the Bible tells us this. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to the worship at the festival, and they came to Philip, who was, with, uh, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus, and Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came and said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there, they heard it. Uh, it said, well, they heard what, okay, let me reread. The crowd there that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up and said, We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? And who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. The first thing that Jesus explains to us here is that Jesus gave life to give life. If we look in verse 24 where it tells us, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, I'm not uh, a big fan of this next statement I'm going to make. It makes me uncomfortable, but it's something that Jesus understood. 
Jesus is worth more dead than he was alive. Now, that all changes with the resurrection, okay? So if you're not here next week on Easter, you're going to miss out a huge portion of this story. But for the time being, Jesus was worth more dead than alive, and he knew it. He even tells us later in this chapter that I came for this very hour. What should I, should I say, God, re- relieve this for me? No, he says, I came for this very purpose. See, the Jews had been taught that the Messiah would come and restore their earthly kingdom. We always were given the picture uh, when I was in school of like a, a, the white knight on the white horse, right? Storming the gates uh, to deliver the kingdom for his people. And that's kind of the vision that they had. Uh, maybe Jesus was going to ride in on a camel. I don't know. Not a white horse. But, but they had this vision that, that Jesus would restore the kingdom. That the Messiah would do that. That he would come back with sword in hand, ready to fight his way to the top and to deliver this earthly kingdom to the Jews. That's alluded to in verse 34. Um, they say right there, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say that the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now Jesus, He did come to give the people a kingdom, right? But not one of earthly grasp, but one of eternity. One of eternity. And Jesus wants all people to be able to um, live in that eternity. In verse 25, He says that anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's almost as if you guys don't need me up here to tell you this. You could just read the Bible and learn it yourselves. Uh, But luckily for me, not a lot of you do that, and so I have a job. (laughs) Boom! Roasted. You know what I'm talking about? I should have brought a holster. That would have been great. Um, Just saying. Just saying it's all there. But this brings me to my next point, okay? There's more to this life than this life. Okay? There's more to this life than this life. Life on earth is limited. We all know that, right? We all have a beginning point and we all have an ending point. Uh, Often, too often, we're reminded that our ending point can come what we feel is way too soon. It can come unexpectedly. It can come without us knowing. And so Jesus makes it clear in this passage that life is what you make it. Life is what you make it. You have a lot of control over what your life becomes and the outlook you have on life and how you feel about your life. Here's the two distinctions he makes. He says very clearly, if your focus is on this world, if you want to know how you can gain the most out of this life, if that's what your goal is, then your reward, you'll get it right here. Everything you're looking for here, you will find here. But, but as Christians, as individuals, as human beings, if we focus on the things of Jesus and how we can best serve Jesus, we gain an eternal life. But here's the thing that I began to understand this week as I studied. That when we focus just on this earth, we find a reward here on this earth, right? It may be riches, it may be fame, it may be notoriety, maybe infamy. But, but if we search for a reward here, we get it here. But if we search for a reward of heavenly things through Jesus, we not only get a reward here on earth, not only does our life become more fulfilling here, but we gain a life that never ends, one that is eternal. I can say this with confidence because I have lived life both ways. 
If you've ever heard me speak before, there's a chance you've heard me say this, but I literally have lived life on both ends of the spectrum. I've lived life as if God never existed, and I live life now as if God does, because one, I truly believe it, and two, I've seen the difference in my life. I've lived much of my life, young as I am, in kind of a haze and a fog, where it seemed like all this Jesus stuff, this God stuff is cool, it sounds great, but it's too good to be true. And so I've never really made that connection with God in those years of my life. And then God got a hold of me and started to make changes in my life and started to show me new things about him, who he was, the things that he wants for my life. And it's like that fog lifted. It's like a new light had shined. And God said, I have so much more for you. I love you. Look at the things that you can truly have. When I think of this, I think back to the struggle I've had in life personally with money, right? So when Jerrica and I were first married, um, as embarrassing as this may be to say, um, we were not great tithers. Um, I will say that that's more on me than her because, quite frankly, I pay all the bills and um, she basically holds everything else together. So uh, kind of an even trade-off, not really for her. Sorry, babe. Um, But early in our marriage... We were not wealthy. Uh, We did not make a lot of money. And so I told myself it was because I was worried that we wouldn't make it week to week, month to month, that the tithe would come out last for us, right? That after I paid all the other bills and we took care of the things that we absolutely had to have, that I would tithe at the end of that if the money was there. The problem was the money was never there because I don't know if you know me or not, but I like things. Um... I like things a lot, and uh, one of those things I like is food, and eating out is expensive, so all that stacked up, and then there'd be a new watch I had to have, or a video game system, or uh, now it's sort of fishing poles, you can thank Jimmy Dean for that wherever he is um, this morning, Um, I blame him anyways, but uh, I don't always make the greatest money choices. Having said that in my life, at some point it made a switch. God started to convict me of that, and I started to realize that the money that I had in my life, God had given to me, right? It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't that I'm working so hard, and I made all these opportunities, and it's my money, my money, my money. I started to wrap my head around the fact that God had blessed me in this life with the money that he had, and the things that I had were of God. And so the principle where we talk about here at church first before became so important to my life. Because if I don't get the, my tithe and my offerings out first thing when the money comes in, it won't be there at the end. It just won't. But what I began to notice is when I, when I made that switch, I started doing that, and tithe was the first thing that came out, money lost its grip on me. Right? It absolutely lost its grip on me. It wasn't, uh, what can this money do for me? What can this money do for me? How, how can I spend this money? But it became more of, God, use this money the best way that you see fit. And our month-to-month became easier to meet, and we started making better choices with the way we spent our money, and we started being able to save money on top of um, doing our tithes and our offerings, and, and it just lost this grip on me. And that lesson taught me something, that if you put your faith in Jesus and you obey the teachings that he has enlightened upon your life, things work out. Things work out. And I can't tell you what a blessing it's been to not be a slave 
to the check register. Now, I still keep track of money, what we spend. I, we have a budget. We do our best to fit within that budget every month. I'm not saying that, like, I started to tithe and all of a sudden we're just rolling in the dough that it doesn't matter, you know, what I spend it on. All I'm saying is God took something that had really been chains and an imprisonment in my life and freed me from it. And so when we focus on things that aren't just of this world and how we can best serve ourselves here and now, God has a way of blessing us beyond what we could ever really imagine. And that's what God wants. See, because those who focus on how they can best serve Jesus gain life that never ends. In verse 26, he goes on and he tells us, he said, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who loves me. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven, and in order for us to be there with him, we must honor and serve him. Right? We must honor and serve him. We don't get to live our lives willy-nilly. <laughs> I like that term today for some reason. Willy-nilly. However we want. Stop living willy-nilly. Tell your friends. The third thing that I want us all to understand from today and that Jesus makes abundantly clear today is that Jesus used his light to consume darkness. In verse 32, he goes on and he tells us, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, lifted up. He's literally talking about his death on a cross, his crucifixion. And I have a question to ask because it's one that um, really helped me start to gain a true belief in Jesus. First question is, can you imagine a worse way to die? Can you imagine a worse way to die? To literally be nailed to wood and hung to the point where you eventually suffocate on your own blood. Can you imagine a worse way to die? Maybe you can. I mean, there's a lot of bad ways to die. I won't disagree with that statement. But I can't imagine a worse way to die. And furthermore, I can't imagine someone doing that willingly. See, Jesus left a place of comfort where he was exalted, where he sat on a throne next to God and said, I want to be a part of this world. I want to come and give my light to this world. And I want to die on a cross. Why would anybody do that if it wasn't for love? Why would anybody do that if it wasn't for love? So, when we make the statement that Jesus loves you, we truly need to understand the impact of that statement and what Jesus has done to truly back that statement up. He tells us in that verse that my death will draw all people to myself. His light crushes darkness. Look at verses 35 and 36 with me, okay? This is what they say. It says, Then Jesus told them, You are going to have light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and he hid himself from them. 
See, Jesus refers to himself here as light. Now think about light for a minute. Think about it. What does light do? It illuminates the darkness, right? It really, quite frankly, dissolves the darkness. Darkness cannot exist within light. Jesus is explaining here that his teachings, his existence, and his purpose are to bring light to the world, are to shed light on the darkness that you may have in your life and that I may have in my life. And at the end of the day, it's to absolve that darkness for us. Because Jesus took his light, he nailed it to a cross, and he removed the darkness of our sins. He did that for you, he did that for me, he did that for everyone. Jesus is light, sin is dark. Believe in light, become a child of the light. Now think about children, right? We all have been children at some point, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, some of us are like, have always been tiny adults, so I'm just saying. But most of us have been children at some point in our life, have had children at some point in our life, have seen a child some point, at some point in our life, have heard a child at some point in our life. And, and what have you heard? I can keep going, Jack. I can do this all day. Children. Why? 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 Why is the sky blue? Well, it, I don't know. It's just blue. But why? Well, it's something about sunlight reflecting off the ocean and back of the, and then blue, maybe. That's not scientifically accurate, but it's one of the answers I came up with Cordelia because she would continually ask why. It just is. God made it that way. Shut up. Dad, it's not nice to say shut up. I apologize, you're right, but why'd you say shut up? Oh my goodness, just the endless, it never ends. Right, but Jesus calls us to be children of the light. And what are children, if not anything else, they're inquisitive. They want to learn, they want to know why, they want to know how. They want to know what it takes to get X done. And so Jesus is calling us to be inquisitors of the light to question the light, to live in the light, to figure out how the light works, what the light means, what the light does. He wants us to know all those things. And he's saying, for just a little bit longer, you have this light on this earth, and, and, and soon he speaks of his death and says, you'll have darkness. But if you live in my light and you become children of the light, then you will be surrounded by the light. And remember what he told us earlier in this chapter, that where I am, my servant is also. And so Jesus is a constant source of light that we can allow ourselves to live in. And all it takes, truly all it takes, is that we put our belief in him and make a commitment to live as children of the light. I'm going to leave you with one more thing. And if you hear nothing else today, hear this, okay? This is the tweetable moment. When we live as children of the light, we can be touched by darkness but we cannot be overcome by it. Hear me out on that. When we live as children of the light, we can be touched by darkness, but we cannot be overcome by it because our light will always be bigger than our darkness. And when the light shines, darkness dissolves. And so we all have those situations in our life when it seems like I just can't do it. I can't make it another day. I didn't deserve this. Why me? Sometimes we know that answer. Sometimes we did it to ourselves. It doesn't make it any easier. But we can focus on darkness 
where we can live as children of the light. Jesus calls us to walk in the light. How might you live every day as children of the light? That's a question I begin to ask myself. Not that specifically, but how can I be more like Jesus? I pray it before I go into work every day. Lord, let me be more like Jesus. And then the first phone call comes and that goes out the window. (laughs) But every day we need to be just a little bit more like Jesus. We need to walk in that light that shines forever, shines on us, shines on everything around us. If you don't see the light, it's not because it's not there, it's because you haven't opened your eyes.